Well, the announcement of a child being born always changes everything, and a baby being born into a family certainly alters life. Uh, Caleb's putting together a changing table, which just about drove him nuts the other day, and the cribs, and the furniture comes in, and and I know the Cobb family's adjusting to twins and enjoying all that process. The, the arrival of children into a home and family changes everything and brings an element of an incredible mix. And you, and you never know what you're going to get when a baby comes along. Now, I'm pretty confident Whitney's going to have a little baby girl. Karen says a boy, and we'll see who. And I said the Lord told me, and she said, well, the Lord told her. And so... <laughs> Somebody, she said to me, she said, somebody's not listening. I said, we'll find out. We'll find out who's listening. But boy or girl, we got personality coming in. It just changes everything. Isn't it incredible? It's just a bit, what a gift from God, children. What a beautiful process, the process of pregnancy and birth. And no matter the circumstances, it's, all children are a gift from God Almighty. But never was a Christmas story like this Christmas story that Jesus came in as a babe in a manger. I'm going to throw some insights into the the passage, but I think a preacher can only muddle this thing up if he gets too complicated because this is simple. This is beautiful. Ed preached last week about the Advent and did a wonderful job. and, And really the Advent, the process is that which was out of our world came into our world, that which was above us, out from us, entered into our sphere. When a a child's born, it's from this world into this world, but when Jesus is birthed, it's out of that world into this. You know, the same is true about being born again and saved. It's life from out there, the life of God, coming into our lives. Being born again is not about learning more Bible verses or being faithful to a church or being religious. It's about getting life from above. In fact, Jesus said, unless you are born from above, born a second time with life out of this sphere into this life, you're not saved. And so that's, you know, salvation is as simple as this beautiful story of the Advent. Well, let's look at chapter 2 of the the Gospel of, of Luke. And let's read through and preach this beautiful, beautiful message that we celebrate this time of year. It begins in those days. There's an interruption to history because all of history is redemptive in nature. It is really his story of his coming. I want to make the point in passing that there was a time that this actually historically happened. There were days that led up to this and then And then this day came and changed everything. I say that because his first advent came on a historical, physical, real 12, 24-hour period because his second advent will come on a literal day. He is coming again. We tend to think this life will last forever. It will not. There'll be a day when all of the processes change. It's done. He is coming. Just like he came on a a real day, he will return on a real day. Launch that into your mind. 
In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus. <laughs> I love how scripture handles the great Caesar Augustus. It does not say in the days of Caesar Augustus. It says in those days, Caesar Augustus happened to make a decree. The emphasis is never on Caesar. Caesar was a, a piece of lint on the fabric of redemptive history. It's all he was. Scripture never glorifies men. In those days, God arrived. Oh, by the way, Caesar happened to be present and he did something to, by the move of God to, to pull this off, but Scripture's never impressed with people. I don't care who they are. Caesar Augustus was the first Caesar that began to take upon him the worship of a God to himself. Julius Caesar certainly didn't, and the Caesars before them saw themselves as men. But with the advent of Caesar, with the introduction of Caesar Augustus, he began to pull to himself deity. I find it impressive that here's a man making himself a God, and here is a God making himself a man the very same time. Notice that all the world should be registered. Now, I know the King James says taxed. A more accurate description of that was to be registered or put on a, well, a register, put on a, a roll, if you will. Uh, this was impossibility of a future tax, but this was not a tax. This was a roll they wanted on. Now, there are two reasons in the Roman government that they took this role was to possibly take taxes or to enlist foreigners, foreigners in their Roman legions. Rome had no, or Israel had no danger of their, the Jewish men being rolled into the Roman legions because Rome didn't want them because the Jews had this idea that they served God, not Caesar. So Jews made horrible soldiers of Caesar Augustus. So anyway, this was just a register to be on a roll to possibly be taxed in some day. Verse 2, this was the first registration when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. So there is the historical date. Now let's pause long enough to give you an insight into something you may read in commentaries. Skeptics are always attacking the Bible. And they say of this story that it could not have been true because there is no historical record, either by Josephus and the Jews or Roman law, that said there was ever a census during this time. And that Cyrenius was a governor at a different time period. I want to let you know that there are men who try to tear the Bible down by, by bringing all this stuff up. The way I handle it as a preacher, I don't handle it at all because when the Bible says there was a census in Palestine during this time, there was a census at this time, and I don't care what historian says what. It happened. So I don't waste my time or your time giving you, because a lot of times you can give reasons. Well, Cyrenius actually ruled twice, you know, so this was the earlier time. There are answers, but I don't waste our time because when the Bible says it, it is absolutely accurate. I, I, I take the stance, let God be true and let every man be a liar. 
So sometimes I'll pass over these passages, and if you're a student of the Bible, you may have seen objections to these historical events. Well, I never handle them, although I just did. Verse 3. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Uh, She had obviously been pregnant for eight months plus. This was a long trip from the north to south. These Jews knew their prophetic history. It is reasonable to believe that Joseph fully knew that the Messiah should and must be born in Bethlehem. He knew. Uh, He had gotten from a dream eight months ago that this thing was a, a thing of God. So I wonder if he wrung his hands up in Nazareth of how am I going to get her down to Bethlehem. Maybe he didn't, but Caesar took care of that. This wasn't a decree really from Caesar. This was a decree from God. God always takes care of his program. He always does. Sometimes we worry about and fret over things we should never fret about. God is bigger than all the circumstances. In fact, he moves circumstances. We do him more honor when we rest and we trust and we believe. And he got him down to Bethlehem. So take a look at the passage. Because he, Joseph, was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. So he travels down with his pregnant wife, of which he is, she is not yet his wife. Now, you know the scandal of all this. You're aware that even though Joseph got a dream, the rest of Nazareth didn't get a dream that this thing was of God. Girl shows up pregnant. There's only one thing you can assume. They went to Bethlehem. They had family there, most likely. It's, it's reasonable to, to know they had family. They're going to look for lodging at an inn. Why not with family? I think we can assume why not. There's shame written all over this couple, and yet they're very in the center of God's peace. That which was in Mary was holy. And she was a virgin. Notice verse 6. And while they were there, it doesn't say they showed up and camped out that night, but while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And when that time comes, that time comes. You don't choose that time. That time chooses you. And she gave birth to her first Notice how careful scripture shelters the virgin birth. This was not his firstborn son. This was hers. Joseph had nothing to do. Why is is the virgin birth important? Because if this is not a virgin birth, we don't have a sinless savior. We don't have an advent. 
we don't have something coming out of there into this life. We have something horizontal, not vertical. This was vital, very important that this this child was not of Joseph. You're just going to get another sinner. When a child's born into the world, I know they're beautiful and I know they're precious and I know you want to eat them up, but they're a sinner. I mean, I've never showed up at, at maternity ward and said, oh, congratulations on your little sinner. He's beautiful. In a couple of years, you'll find out. Not quite as sweet as they start. But here, is a virgin-born child because this child is Emmanuel, meaning God is with us. There are those who do not believe that Jesus was God. Fools they are. Ignoring this story, ignoring Emmanuel. This was God. This was the God-man. Notice verse 7, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a feeding trough. That's what a manger is. Laid him in the soft hay. Why did she have to do that? Because there was no place for them in the inn. No place. This is the registry going on. Bethlehem is packed full of people. They show up. No room. The innkeeper points them down to where the animals are. And there they take their lodging. Kings are born in palaces, are they not? In all the luxury and advantages, but not our Savior. This world never had a place for him. And it started right here. This world still does not have a place for him. But he who we did not make a place for has made a place for us. He has made a place for us in a coming kingdom. Hallelujah. We will not dwell in a manger. We will dwell in a city with him in all eternity. And here he begins. Overlooked by the world, rejected from an inn, in the midst of cattle and sheep and animals in this stall. I woke up the other morning and went out and there was four young heifers in my front yard. I grew up on a farm. I was right at home, man. One of them came over, you know, we were kind of checking each other out and just comfortable. Somebody left the gate open and all they were wandering through the front yard. Here we are in this stable. Here's Joseph. By the way, you know the the wise men weren't there. Yeah, if you've got one of those little, what do they call those things in the house where they set up a nativity scene? I I went over to my son-in-law's and I was looking for the wise men and they weren't there and he said, I threw them out. (laughs) I want to make my nativity biblical. They didn't show up until two or three years later And at this time, they were in a home. Matthew's account is completely different than Luke's. Luke's was written by a doctor. I love the fact that a doctor wrote about the birth. Perfectly accurate. Here they are. Don't miss that scene. 
captured in your mind this Christmas season. We were without hope. We were in darkness. And the light came to us through a virgin in a manger. Make that as rustic and smelly as you can because that's what it was. The role of life came for us. Verse 8. In the same region there were shepherds in the fields keeping watch over their flock by night. I've been to Bethlehem and it is as picturesque as you could imagine. It is a small little nestled town uh, surrounded by green rolling hills. It is a stone's throw from Jerusalem. It's a couple miles down the way and there it is tucked in. And these rolling hills are just beautiful. And here are these shepherds at night making sure the sheep are not eaten by wolves and by bear and by lions. That's a job, man. That's a job. Because you've got defenseless sheep. sheep. Sheep have got nothing to defend themselves. If they grow a big coat of you know, wool, maybe that'll stop some teeth. But the, the predator knows where to go to kill the sheep. Harmless, man. They cannot fight back. Here these shepherds are on the side hill watching over for predators. Here is our God looking out over a world of lost sheep and seeing the enemy pluck them away and coming to save us from it. We are no match for the enemy of spiritual darkness. We are no match. We are like sheep that have wandered away, but now, praise God, we have been returned to the shepherd the great shepherd. I love the fact that God chose these men to reveal this magnificent scene that night, humble and simple as it was. Do you know shepherds were cut out from temple worship? Because of the work they did with an unclean animal like the sheep, they could not go to Jerusalem and enter into any ceremony and worship. That which religion had pushed aside and pushed out and excluded, God was bringing into the fold. Bringing in religion, God. So the shepherds were in the field keeping watch over their flock by night and an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them. Notice, not Jerusalem. I I mean, I picture this scene all lit up on on the countryside in all of Bethlehem turns the candle on and looks out the window and there's glory filled in the sky. Didn't happen like that. Bethlehem slept on as the shepherds in the midst of the field, they saw the glory. When God opens your heart and gives you life from the mind, you see the glory. This world does not see. This glory was shown specifically to men that God had chosen in the field. We shout, we shout glory. This world mocks that. They don't see it. Notice the shepherds in the field, they were filled with great fear. You can only imagine. And the angel said to them, fear not. For behold, I bring you good news. 
news of great joy that will be for all people. Notice, all people. All people. You know, there's a lot of different people groups and, and, and folks all over the world that we have a thousand different differences, but there's one thing that's true about every one of us. We need a Savior. We're all lost in sin. We're all sheep on that. And, and this gospel message is for all of us. Everyone. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. You ready? This is the news, verse 11. Let this hit you like a hammer between, the, between your eyes. For unto you, unto you, is born this day in the city of David a Savior. He's a Savior. If our need had been education, he would have sent an educator. If our need was wealth, he would have sent a money manager. If our need... But our need was a savior. You need a savior because we're lost in sin. A savior who is Christ the Lord. Isn't that beautiful? That's the verse right there. For unto you this day in the city of David, God has given us, given us a savior. Christ the Lord. Beautiful. That's the gift, you know. That's the gift. Whatever you give, whatever you get this year, let it be a reflection of the gift of Jesus Christ, the gift of the Savior. By all means, give. By all means, receive. You ought to get up Sunday. You ought to get up Christmas morning as a family and read the Christmas story with your grandchildren and with your kids. You ought to tell them what Jesus means to you. Let that be a tradition in your family and home. I drove my nuts, my kids nuts for years. We had to eat and then we had to read the Christmas story. They wanted to get on those gifts so bad. Some Christmases I wondered if they were even listening to what I was saying but they were listening. They listened to every one of it. And it meant something to them. This is the big deal. Everything else is confetti. Everything else is a sidebar. This is the beauty of it. We're not going to hell. We're going to heaven. Our sins are not counted against us they are washed away in the blood of Jesus Christ. I am not filled with turmoil. I am filled with peace. I do not dread life. I love life because Christ is my Savior and he's yours too if you know him. If you don't know him today, cry out for him to save you. Cry out for him to save you. Let's finish the story. Verse 12. He didn't leave the shepherds up on 
the mountainside or the hillside to wonder, and this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby. (laughs) Now put those two together, okay? Put those two together and see how confusing this is. For unto you this day is born Christ. I would have thought he'd been transported down a complete man. Go, Go see the Messiah. He's a weak, helpless baby. Isn't it amazing? What a shock that is. I can see the shepherds turning to one another and said, what did he say? Did he say baby? You'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Well, there were a lot of babies in Bethlehem, but they all were in a protected, sheltered place. There was only one baby in a manger. You see, that's, that's what the sign was. You could knock on a dozen doors and find babies, but not with the animals. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, doesn't say singing. I know we want to sing this thing, but it says saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Do you catch that rendering? Do you catch that verse? Peace is is not toward the rebellious, the rebel. Peace is not those who shake their fists toward God. Peace is for those with whom he is well pleased. Who are those? Those who come to the the baby. Those who have received Christ as Savior. That is where the peace is. It can come no other way. If God gave mankind peace without submission to Christ, he would be putting his stamp of approval on sin and rebellion, and that he cannot do. It is for those who have bowed the knee to Jesus Christ that peace comes. We're beginning next year a study in the book of Matthew. Matthew is all about a king. A king has the idea of submission to authority of that king. Just a hint into next year. Suddenly there was, with the angel, notice verse 14, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those whom he has pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, I love this, let us, let us, let us go back to sleep. <laughs> Let us check what's in our thermos to make sure we're not drinking something we shouldn't be drinking. Let's check the vittles because we must have ate something real weird. God had spoken to them and said, let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go see. Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. Now, I know that sounds real generic and plain, but these guys got to be stunned and shouting and excited. And they went in haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe laying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. You know what I don't see here, which it captures my attention? It says they made known the saying. Where did they make known the saying? 
they made known the saying in Bethlehem. That's where they were. But I don't see any crowd from Bethlehem around the manger. I don't see folks crowding in to see Christ. No. That's the way it is, isn't it? You get saved and you're excited and you love the Christ of Bethlehem and you share it with Bethlehem and they go, that's nice, good for you. They roll over and go back to sleep. That's okay. Keep sharing it. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. They wondered. It doesn't say they went. You might have heard the gospel for years and years, and you've wondered at it. It's been amazing. Do you love to hear the gospel? Have you gone to Christ to be born again? Do you know him as your Savior? It's one thing to be wondered at the message. It's another thing to go and fall down and worship. I love verse 19, and we'll close with this in 20. But Mary, as any mother would, treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Isn't that beautiful? What an amazing story. What an amazing God that he would launch into human redemptive history through a the womb of a woman.